Welcome to the Golf Barons Podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. It's time to add some swagger to your swing. Welcome to this episode of Tenuous Links, which is brought to you by the new Ping Glide 3.0 wedges. Now these wedges, Kipper's been banging on about just how good these new wedges are, not just only in the way that they play, but also how many sole and grind options there are available. There's certainly a Ping Glide 3.0 wedge to suit all and any players. Make sure that you get these on your shortlist if you're in the market for new wedges. Give them a try, your game will absolutely thank you for them. Now, on to today's show. Phil, welcome for another episode of Tenuous Links. Domo, good to be back. Good to be back and can't wait to have another chat to you about the game we love. But before we get into love, Phil, I need to know what you hate. We've got to get the bad out of the way. Get it out the way. I hate excuses after shots, and it's even though I use a lot of them. And it's quite incre- it, it is quite incredible the number of times, and particularly we find it off the tee, so hang on, when you're talking about excuses, you mean people making an excuse for a poor shot? Post shot. So this is not pre-round or I've hurt my back or I've done ah, okay. my knee or yeah. I've hurt my wrist. So let's just suggest that two players of a similar ability level who hit the ball similar distances, the first one to hit off invariably will give it the, oh, yeah, no, nah, just missed that. We'll just got it out of the heel. A little bit healy, yeah. Uh, and then the other one will then hit theirs and, oh, you must have got all that. Oh, no, nah, no, nah, a bit high in the toe. And they'll get down to the fairway. And, and then the excuses just develop and develop and develop. Yeah, no, nah, but did you see that mine just sort of pitched and stopped? I think that's my, that's my pitch yeah, mark I didn't there. get the run there. I didn't get the yeah, run like on I didn't, I didn't run out at all. And, oh, yeah, you got a bit lucky. I think you might have even clipped that sprinkler head. It, it's just a world of excuses. By saying I hate it, I kind of love it because I'm part of the fraternity of excuses. But it's just something that always, it always occurs to me. It's that a real we, ego thing, isn't it? You often see it on the drives, as you were saying. It's all about ego. All oh, about I just ego. got it out of the heel. The heel's my favourite one because, you, you know, there's no power out of the heel. Oh, yeah, no, I just got that low on the heel, but maybe next time. What about you, Damien? Yeah, well, for me, it's more around the pe- people who complain about just how long golf takes. I think it's about time we just accept this game takes a lot of time, but that's not a bad thing. The time out on course is one of the most relaxing things if you want it to be. It's a time that we give to ourselves, and I think we need to give ourselves a little bit more room to enjoy that time away or that time on our own or that time with our friends, um, the time out on course. That's not to say slow play is acceptable. It's not about it being slow play, but too many people complain about the game taking a long time, but there are some things in life that just take a long time and they're the better things in life look at wine how much better does that get with a bit of age how surprising that it came back to wine damien let me guess something else cigars well actually yes a good age well-aged cigar is one of the anyway let's not go too far down that but it's permission it's actually permission to take your time or, or to just enjoy the time that you have when you're playing golf i agree slow play it's not the same issue enjoying your time and not being in a hurry versus being a slow player like don't take 15 minutes lining up a putt but enjoy the fact that your game's not going to be over in two and a half hours because we're not 10-pin bowling. This game is not 10-pin bowling. And look around and see where you are. You're in a wonderful landscape that is often completely unique. And for me, it's very much a, I'm playing golf today. So it's not a let's quickly get out and bash out a quick 18 or a quick nine and, and rush off the course and then go and do the other things we need to do. No, today I'm playing golf. Today I'm going to get down there. I'm going to have have a cup of coffee, maybe a little bite beforehand. I'm going to warm up on the range, although let's be honest, I haven't done that for a while. Play my golf, come back in, 
sit down, have some lunch, have a few drinks and a laugh, then get in the car, head home, and that's my day. It's my day. I've played golf today. There's nothing wrong with that. No, and I think, um, and there's a couple of facilities that that make that a lot easier than than others. But just that joy, and that's why I like playing early in the morning or earlier in the morning, is that drive when it's dark. So get up before you're even in trouble at home. Drive when it's dark. So you're still, by the time you've got there, you still wouldn't have been getting yelled at at home anyway. And so you can just enjoy Common your time. Common theme here, Phil. You can just enjoy your time when you're there. But I agree, it, don't be in a hurry. Savor the time, savor the conversation, savor, you know, just being away, the escapism of the game and the competitive nature of it. Because the minute it becomes rushed, it's kind of like it's an interruption to your day and to your life, in which case you may as well not may play as well the first not have played at all. Exactly right. And that's what we're not liking this week, Phil. What do you love? I love, uh, and it's something that is probably more clearly evident in the game of golf than any other sport that I know of, is how good good players are and how much I enjoy playing with really good golfers. Um, and I enjoy playing with everyone. But when you see the shots that they're capable of hitting and even their mind working in different ways to ours, whereby I've got 220 metres and I've got to hit it over that tree with a roping hook, yeah, I'll. that's just this shot. Whereas I'm sitting there going, let's see, if I chip out four times, a couple of skulls and a chip, I might get home in 11. So it's almost that seeing this up close and personal, being right on the scene to witness what is pure golf? Well, uh, you start to get a sense of how they think. Um, certainly you get a, a very strong sense and sound of how they hit the ball. But just that confidence of, of having complete control over their skill. It's like Steve Smith batting. I mean, I can imagine watching him on television versus batting with him up the other end. Or being be, slips and watching him, yeah. Yes, you'd be in awe of him. And I think, you know, we're not necessarily saying talking about tour pros. I'm talking about, you know, two, three handicappers, four handicappers, five handicappers, but it's actually how they hit the ball, not their number, as we've spoken about a lot of times. Do you think times. it helps your game, watching watching someone so good? I think it inspires you to potentially pursue your game a little bit harder, yeah, yeah, because you want to close that gap because we're competitive beasts, and one of the reasons that, that we play golf is the competitive nature of it. Um, and it's about closing the gap through admiration um, and then creating aspiration, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And what about you, Damien? You must love something. We've got to get some balance back. I love virgin golf, Phil. It's what I've coined my... Okay, let me clear this up for you because I can see that cheeky quickly, little schoolboy grin on your face. I love that we, even now, having played golf for as long as we have, you can, you still have firsts in golf. And it can happen on any any given day. Now, whether that's that's um, the first time you're playing at a new course or um, you might have played a course a thousand times, but today you happen to be in a spot you've never been in before. You still have never been faced with that shot or learning how to play a different type of shot. You still can have firsts in golf, and I think it's one of those things that we really should celebrate. Um, it's a real game of discovery in a lot of ways, still even decades on. So yeah, that's that's my love. That's my love for this week. And playing a hole in a different method. So rather than traditionally hitting driver off the tee, you know, maybe seeing what the hole looks like if you hit four iron off the tee or five iron or three wood. Every time you play a golf course, you can play it completely differently. What, what a fascinating game and, to be a and part the dif- of. And again, different weather, different conditions. All there's so many different variables. Yellow within- balls. Yellow balls, green balls, any balls. Any black balls, as you tried out some time ago. 
So, Phil, getting into uh, game changers for this week, uh, adjustable length putters is one that I want to talk about. What is it about the, the adjustability that you're thinking is a game changer? Well, the thing for me, so the ping, I'm talking about specifically the ping 2.0 putters where you can actually adjust the length from, oh, I can't remember what it was, like 32 inches to 37 or something. I've been having a bit of trouble uh, with old injuries flaring up in the colder weather and um, sore injuries. backs and, and what was that about excuses? And for me, putting is one of those things that, if I'm, I've been struggling a bit with putting, so I changed the length, stood a little taller, and I putted way better. Now, it might not have anything necessarily to do with it, but in my mind it did. And as you know, putting is very much a mindset. And when you do get that those kind of results from these little little things that you can tweak, but again, I didn't have to have a separate putter. I could just adjust it, and I found it absolutely game-changing, I guess. Yeah, well, you can find a head that you like. But I think it was fascinating when we first heard rumours of, of this adjustable length putter coming out versus how they delivered it and, and the execution is magnificent but that idea of just I wonder what would happen if it was half an inch longer or half an inch shorter of just mucking around even on the practice grain is phenomenal we like tinkering we like, we like adjusting and particularly as you know yes you do have a bad back as poor an excuse as it is to be able to change posture particularly where you're crouched over the shot yeah I love it and to, I guess that got me thinking is it possible to do to sort of roll that out into other parts of the game or other other clubs and I'm getting you know drivers is it possible for this to, to work with a driver where you can have an adjustable driver length now, obviously you can't change it during the game nor can you with the putters if you, especially if you're in comp but is it possible to have a driver where actually I, know, I need to I need to instead of choking down I'm actually getting it to change length or is it because it's such a uh, such a large movement with a with a driver that now that just won't work because it's going to change the MOI and it's going to change all the different dynamics of it. Whereas with putter, it's a, it's a smaller stroke, so maybe the, the differences aren't so big. But who knows anymore? I mean, the, the way the technology is going, it makes me think this could this could go into other parts of the game. Look, it may do. I think we'll leave that and defer that to the really really smart guys but certainly with driver with all these adjustable hosels when you can make a driver more upright effectively you're increasing its playable length anyway so but you know there might be scope to do it who knows where their mind goes i'd love again love to be a fly on the wall you know with them thinking five years ahead ten years ahead well if anyone needs things that are going to be longer and and more adjustable it's going to be the seven foot giraffe in the room that's quite hilarious and i really appreciate the feedback damien Outstanding. Have you got anything that uh, you think might, now now that you're rattled, he's rattled. No, anything that you think might help change the game for a positive? I would mind, again, you know, just little ideas that can help improve the game and improve engagement with the the game. And it would be as simple as a a bring the kids to golf day. Um, Yeah, you've talked about this before. Or bring the the grandkids to golf day. You know, just, just let them go and see what it is that dad or mum goes and does or grandma or grandpa goes and does when they say, I'm off to play golf. Because there just might be enough in it that makes one of the kids say, can I have a go of that? And that's all the game needs is someone to say, I would like to have a go as opposed to having it forced upon them. Um, And if nothing else, cheap labour. Yeah, I was going to say, in terms of your caddy, is that why you want them there, just to pull their bag around and well, Damien, you save yourself? I mean, you and I have had lots of conversations about the role of a caddy, and largely as pack horse, so... Very important, you know, very important, don't believe what you hear. It might have to be a half set in order for them to carry it, but, you know, once they get to nine or ten, they should be right with a staff bag and a full set of clubs. Well, speaking of caddies, they obviously do a hell of a lot of walking out on course, almost as much as the players that they're following. Oh, well, we Damien, we, I love, I, you know, I, I really love the name Tenuous Links. Kipper would be so upset if he heard, heard this podcast. And having played with you very recently, Damien, um, even on a six and a half thousand metre course, I can assure 
our listeners that sometimes it's played at seven and a half, almost 8,000 metres. So when you pay your money, you need to see every part of the course. But what I'm getting at, Phil, is today's gear effect. I want to talk a little bit about golf shoes and the technology in golf shoes and how far it's come and maybe even where it's headed. I don't know. How brilliant are these new shoes that are out there, whether it's spiked or spikeless? There's such a focus on comfort, number one, which is so much better. Imagine, remember what we started out using back in the day. Two, the looks. Okay, looks are great, and we know we, we're all about the looks in here. And three, just from a performance point of view, it seems that they, they're lighter, more stable through shots, all these sorts of things. I know that's what they're being marketed to us at, but it seems to be true. Well, you can mention, in reality, you can you can match, sorry, not mention, you can match the shoe to what you want out of it. So in reality, if you just like a comfortable shoe to get you through 18 holes, then you're going to have that option. If you're a big hitter, like if you need a shoe to be stable, because there are these two connectors. There are two. Even, are there only I'm two starting, connectors, Phil? Even I'm starting to bore myself with that. Not that it's a theory, it's a statement of fact. But So the really long hitters need a very, very stable platform. So they might choose stability over over comfort. comfort yeah. And you've got to concede something. I mean, you can't get everything. There's not a shoe that has every single bit of everything in there. So there's always got to be some concessions because often stability has to mean a little bit of added weight. So you won't get lightweight and ultra stable. But anything from, you know, the Adidas is 2 or 360 wrap when it first came out to the um, uppers that are now made, you think of Echo and you think of the, the yak leather through to Clarino and, and microfiber uppers as a low care. Lots of materials have been experimented with and, and, and cushioning systems, energy return like Hover or like Adiprene or, you know, all these other different systems. Well, we're almost sport for choice these days though, aren't we? Well, you've got, you've got spike versus spikeless. I've got um, maximum weight versus maximum traction. I've got um, you know, lock my foot in versus just be comfortable. And even from a fitting, a shoe fitting point of view, it used to be, even in running shoes, it was very much around your gait and how your foot behaved. And now there is a very strong trend to just fit what's comfortable. Just fine what's And your body what's comfortable. will make the adjustments. And it is sport for choice. And that's without going into a little bit of the disco look that's starting to come in with a few of the brands. With it, some of just those, have you, seen the, have you seen some of these G4 ones that are coming out? Well, G4, there, I saw a, there was a black... Um, Four point, uh, I think it's called 4.1. There was a black and hot pink shoe that, that is almost a runner, but it is a, a golf shoe. That, that looks a, cool. A, a cross trainer that really started to challenge the way we think about fashion. You know, lots of different colours, you know, white with little pink trims and, and white with lime green and Brogue's making its way back. You know, that uh, I think a lot of us, our first pair of golf shoes would have been Brogue. It, Brogue's back if you want it to if be. If you want it to be. That's what I'm saying. The options are the options are almost endless. But Yeah, we're spoiled, absolutely spoiled for choice. But shoes do make... A difference. You just have to really define what it is you want from them. What do I want them to do? Do I want the most comfortable walk I can have? Do I want the most stable when I'm hitting shots? Uh, and then find a compromise. But you might have to compromise on something, be it look, style, performance, or stability. But magnificent. Anyway, so there you go. That's my gear effect for this week. Trending. You've been. I noticed you've been online a lot of late, looking at golf and all different sorts of things. What is? I guess what's trending for you this week? Um, I think the thing that has caught my eye, and it's not necessarily been a a week long. This has been a, a month, and in fact, months. Technology is continuing to be called to be wound back, and you, you get a lot of the the old. What I'll call old timers saying, we must wind back technology. Oh, so calling for it to be wound back. So yeah. we must limit the golf ball. 
when we ask limit yeah, golf. Yeah, everything's going too far now. Yeah, it was back in my day. And can't do this and you can't do that and stop, 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 stop. Well, handicaps aren't dramatically improving. So I don't want it to stop. I want to see how far it can go. And and often when used as evidence will be events like happened at Medina not, you know, a few weeks ago, whereby these players were tearing this golf course apart and because of that, therefore we have to wind back technology. When in reality, what was not mentioned in any of the dispatches of these conversations around Madonna were the eight inches of rain that this golf course had in the week preceding, which softened the entire golf well, which course. Which is up. going to soften any golf Softened course. the greens up. So Royal Melbourne, if Royal Melbourne is hot and dry with a northerly... It's going to be tough. It's going to be incredibly tough. If Royal Melbourne is coming off eight inches of rain with no wind in perfect conditions, it's going to be easy. And Ernie Els will attest to that. I mean, he'll go from shooting his 63 at Royal or 60 at Royal, I think it was, all the way through to shooting 75 and 76s at Royal, depending on the conditions. So we, we immediately point the finger at technology because we're just using it as an excuse. I just needed some more justification to get on my wind it back, wind it back rant. Are they just too negative? We're just whinging too much about this game. I and just, I see the irony in us whinging about whinges. Um, yes, but I think every now and again you need to whinge about the whinges to keep them in check and the reality is that you look at people I want more people playing the game and I want the game to be easier I like the fact the ball's going as far as it is mm-hmm. um, I like the fact that it also spins I like the fact that it's stable in the wind these are all the things that I like and that's personally that I like when I look at a really good player a really long hitter I say all credit to you for hitting it that far, but I don't play with tour pros every day. A conversation I had with uh, Tomo Bystead over at TaylorMade, the head of Metalwoods, he was he was really adamant about this point when I asked him, has technology gone too far? And his take on it is, well, hang on, have you ever have you taken a child out for a game of golf and seen them struggle with, with an old set of clubs and you think... Is this the future? Are we trying to make the game harder for that next generation? And and it's a really it's a really resonating point. We don't want to see people struggle. Well, maybe the pros. I mean, sometimes it's fun to see the pros struggle a bit, but more to the point, if we want to get people staying in the game, if technology can help people stay in the game or get into the game, why the hell would we would we be trying to push it the other way? And we've limited the number of clubs in the bag. So in theory, there's an equaliser there. Handicaps are another equaliser. So from our point of view, the technology advancement is, is something that's fantastic. And there are limits that have been put in place. Now, again, it probably speaks to the bifurcation for tour players. I mean, if they're so adamant that it's ruining the game, then let's have a rule for them and a rule for us. But I, in many respects, I like to see how far Rory can hit it or Dustin Johnson can hit it. I like to see the control that that some of these players have um, in their golf game, and I don't really want it to be wound back personally, but I also see what affects the common person and hashtag grow the game or no deal grow the game, depending on what I'm doing at the time. We need people to find the game easier, but not necessarily easy because it should be a tough game. It should be a tough game, yeah. But I don't see why I should be penalised from a technology point of view of not being able to get the benefit of these boffins and these great minds that exist in in golf companies push the boundaries so maybe reset the boundaries but in terms of winding technology back let it go and take into account when we're bagging technology take into account the other elements that affected the result that you're using as evidence such as well if it rains Royal Melbourne's going to be easy and if it's hot and gusty Royal Melbourne's going to be bloody hard and the same at Medina which was used as this marquee piece as to why we needed to wind technology back yeah no couldn't agree with you get off the bandwagon enough whinging about the whingers let's get on to something it's a bit more bit more fun a little bit more humorous I've got something that's trending that I've been following a little bit on Twitter Phil Mm -hmm. have you heard of the Club Pro guy 
How could I not have heard of the How have you heard of him? The Mexican mini-tour legend. He's Thursday presses. To be able to stage a press conference where you're not asked a question but be able to script it and have it so engaging. <laughs> um, and the terminology he uses, you'll without doubt start to use it. It'll come into your vernacular. Oh, it's the kind of irreverence that we need more of in golf. It's We are always on about, you know, we're always talking about having more fun and bringing some more. We need more characters in this game. Well, this is a real character. This is a character, real or not. And he's fantastic. I love I love what, following that just for a, a nice laugh um, during the week. And so. I must say that my favourite technology or terminology that he has used that I have tried to bring into my own golf game is the idea of the quick rake. When you are when you are playing with friends and you know you you think you've got a putt that you should hole as soon as you hit it and you know it's missing and you reach out with the putt ahead and drag it back. It's called the quick rake. Try it. You love it. I'm don't sure do you've already a, done it. Don't do it in a comp. That's trending for this week. Let's get on to dreaming, Phil. I know there's something you're dying to tell everyone about. I just look. Mine, Damien, is just the west coast of Victoria. You love this. I, I do love the the whole journey through Peterborough to um, Warrnambool to Port Ferry. You can keep going all the way around to Portland. You, there's so much golf to be played, but rustic and pure. Peterborough, I continually mention as a nine-hole course, but the most pure links. Port Ferry, when Port Ferry was almost rediscovered by and popularised by a lot of golfers, you know, 15 years ago, it's always been a gem of a golf course. And then was had a few adjustments made by I think Mike Clayton. It might have been just to improve it and polish it off. But Peterborough is raw and rustic. The honesty box for green fees, welcoming, magnificent, rural, perfect. The shipwreck coast, hey? The shipwreck coast. So, so really, Damien, if ever we wanted to jump in the car and... We're going to have to do this. This is a, this is a genuine journey for us. I want, to, I want to see you take me to Peterborough and see how, um, how much fun we're going to have there. And just, and just enjoy where golf came from because we've got a few golf courses down there that are really at core or the heart of where, the, where golf began. And Peterborough is as pure a links course as you are ever going to play. Well, speaking of links courses, for mine this week, I'm actually going to talk about the west coast of Ireland. Now, I want to preface this with the fact that I lived, I, I went over there as a young, young buck, early 20s. I went over and lived in mainly Galway, which is on the west coast there, for nearly a year. Spent a year over there and I played a total of zero games of golf Phil and it is one of my greatest regrets probably the greatest regret that I've got I mean we're talking okay so where I'm stationed we're talking an hour and a half from Doonbeg we're talking two hours from Ballybunion we're you know a little bit further to Tralee so these are I've heard of them these (laughs) these are just outstanding courses these are bucket listers and to think I didn't even swing a club for that whole year just I want to kick myself so for mine that is somewhere that we have to go to and if not we definitely me I need to get back over to the west coast of Ireland that is a genuine dream destination for me with the only upside being that you lost less balls well that's true but that is the only upside What's that? That is the only upside, surely, of being within reach. The courses, the the region, the the Guinness, the Guinness fell. The Guinness and I see you didn't miss out on too many Guinnesses. Seafood you? chowder, fresh seafood chowder, that plate. Oh, Phil, I'm gonna tear up here. This is we're doing this, this is happening. Well let's lock let's lock that in. We've just got to find a sponsor, maybe Emirates or someone like that need to jump on board and make this happen. Damien. Anything but Ryanair, that's going to happen. No, it won't be Ryanair or any of his family. We might go Emirates or Eddie Had or, you know, I'm sure someone, anyone out there want to help us out. We want to, we, we need to pursue this dream. 
Over to you, Phil, for your history lesson this week. Um, well, the, the history lesson this week is really a little bit about the origins of the game. And I suppose that, yeah, funnily enough, history, but the history of the game. And often the question comes up around club names because there used to be these names like Mashie and Niblick and, and Brassie and all the rest of it. And so I thought I'd bore you for a couple of minutes with where the names came from. And given the fact you mentioned Ireland and we're getting pretty close to the origins of the game of golf or we're within reach of it far closer than we are being down in Australia, I thought I'd just bore you a little bit. So Mashy, Niblick, Brassy, there's really interesting origins to, to the names, but there's one of my favourites which I'll leave to last. So the Mashy was referred to as Mashy because when they were using the feathery ball, it was the one that hit it the hard and could actually mash the ball. You know, you could really turn it into into mush. Um, the Niblick came from... Nib or little nose, so it's actually a smaller, smaller head. It's like a little wedge, yeah. It's like well, the niblick was a, a little, yeah, like a little, almost a, a rescue. I suppose an early rescue type club that you could use kind of anywhere you wanted to. Largely, we had a brassy that was had a big brass sole plate, hence the brassy, which was a, a again a wooden club, or normally a wooden club, three wood, four wood, five wood. Or otherwise, there was the grassies, you know, which you'd hit off the tree, off the tee with a, d- a desire to find the grass. So it really was your oh, driver. That, okay, interesting, yeah. But as boring so as they They're actually quite literal. Yeah, they, they were quite quite literal, um, but as boring as or they literal were. literal, as Kipper would say. None of them made by Strixon back then. No, no. <laughs> as boring as they were, my favourite were the Sabbath sticks. The and Sabbath? And not the black Sabbath sticks, because that bit racist. Could be racist. So seven sticks. So the Church of Scotland banned golf on a Sunday. Of course. Well, I mean, you know, golf does feel like work, yeah, I guess. Um, and if you look at St Andrews, you look at the old course at St Andrews, golf to this day is not played on a Sunday. But oh, is the it old not? Course oh, of St. course. St. Yeah, good point. But for the, let's call them, for the punters who still liked golf as much as they liked doing the right thing. That golf was perhaps a religion to them. Um, and as it should have been. They would walk around with a walking stick, whereby the head of the walking stick would fit neatly in their palm, a.k.a. a golf club. And these would I become known this is going. as Sabbath sticks. Sabbath being can't play golf, but it's my chance of playing golf. So when no one was looking, effectively, you drop a ball out of the pocket, you whack a couple of shots with a Sabbath stick. If anyone asks, you just grab it by the head again and keep the walking old look with away. it. And keep walking <laughs> Nothing with to a, see here. With a limp. But I just this whole idea of the fact that there is a Sabbath stick and that golf must overtake and sometimes it usurps all religion, in fact any other common sense is one of the things that I love. So as boring as the others were, being mashy and nibbly and brassy and all the rest of it, the Sabbath sticks love it. I need to get myself a set. You know what, well, another set? Yes. Yes I do. Um, and, and again, as we always say, here endeth the lesson. Fantastic, Phil. No, that's a, that's a great little one. I like that. That's been fun today having you on board again as always. For those of you who haven't yet subscribed, jump onto golfbarons.com sign up for free and also, a special thank you today to our sponsor, which is the Ping Glide 3.0 Wedges. Phil, it's been fun. Damo, thank you again. Until next time. Let's add some swagger to your swing.